yeah, that's, there might be a little sarcasm there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I really feel like God's got a word for you guys tonight, and uh, I just encourage you to hook up with me and believe God, and, and uh, let's, let's receive from the Lord tonight. Amen? Well, Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus tonight, Lord. We come with hunger. We come with expectation. Lord, I thank you for each and every person here tonight that came that took time out of their schedule, Lord, to, to be a part of this service, to, to serve, to help get things set up, Lord. And I thank you, you honor that their, their faithfulness. And uh, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for ministering to each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher and the guide on the inside. And we look to you, God, to just open up your word to us, to reveal truth. And, and Lord, we just thank you that your will be done and that your name uh, be glorified through it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, tonight I want to talk about uh, something the Lord kind of dropped in my heart. You know, of course, we just had Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, he put this word in me, uh, praise the joy activator. Praise the joy activator. You know, the kind of the day and age that we live in right now, it just seems like there is a lack of joy in people's hearts and people's lives. You, you know, people are, are heavy. Things are, you know, a lot going on, and, and people are struggling. And uh, there's something uh, that we need to do to get that joy stirred up, to get that joy activated, to get that joy released and moving in our lives. You know, it's on the inside of us but it needs to be activated. And the Lord really kind of impressed on my heart that the key ingredient here is praise and thanksgiving. You know, I like that song that we were singing, coming back to the heart of worship, because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And, uh, you know, worship is, is such a, a powerful thing. It, it really, you know, I really believe that worship is the highest form of prayer. Uh, where we can really connect with our Heavenly Father. And, uh, you know, when we praise God, when we lift up our hands to Him, you know, it's an act of surrender. It's laying down our lives at His feet. It's putting our trust back into Him as we worship Him. It's, uh, you know, it's getting our hearts in alignment with His heart. It's getting our will in alignment with His will. So praise and worship just really helps us to connect with God. Um, so praise and worship the joy activator. Uh, Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, if the joy of the Lord is our strength, it would make sense that the enemy would want to attack our joy. Why? Because our strength is attached to that joy. If he can zap us of our joy, he can zap us of our strength. And if he can take our strength away, he can keep us from doing what God's called us to do. He can keep us from continuing to press into God and continuing to seek his face. You know, we can get weary. We can get tired. And, and uh, if he can steal our strength, he can take us out of the fight. So it's so key that we cultivate joy in our lives and, and cultivating it through thanksgiving, through praise and worship. Um, Pastor Greg did this statement, said this statement many years ago, but he said, praise and thanksgiving is like spiritual Drano for our heart and soul. So in other words, uh, when we praise God, when we worship God, when uh, we get into thanksgiving, 
it, it, it helps to unclog our hearts of all the gunk and the junk and the, the funk that we can build up in our lives, you know, the, the negativity of the day, you know, bad attitudes that we can carry around. Maybe we had a altercation at work that just kind of put us sideways, and uh, we can just get clogged up. Have you ever just felt kind of built up with gunk and junk? Well, a good way to unclog that and get things flowing again is through praise and thanksgiving. It can get things flowing in our lives and get that gunk out. It can uh, allow God to work out of us what needs to be worked out so that he can then work in what needs to be worked in. You know, because the enemy, he's, he's working overtime to drag us into fear, into negativity, uh, you know, put us in a bad mood. And come in and rob us of our joy. You know, isn't it funny how, well, it's not really funny, but, you know, how we can spend time with God in the morning and, you know, we're, we're starting the day off strong and we go about our day and it just seems like that wrong person comes across our path at just the wrong, wrong time to just s to say the wrong thing, you know, and it just tweaks us and it just, you know, makes us angry. We get offended and bitter and it's like, man, what happened? Well, what happened there is, is is the enemy sometimes uses people to come in and, and say stuff to us to what rob us of our joy so that our so that he can steal our strength from us so that we can no longer run the race that God has set before us. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been days where I'm running my race for God or, or trying to anyways, and I'm thinking, God, you know, I, I just turned 40. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go the distance. Well, we need his joy to be infused in us so that we can have the supernatural strength of God working through us that is going to give us the ability to stand firm against the enemy and to continually put him in his place. Because it takes strength, it takes energy to resist the devil. And when we worship God, we are simply reinforcing the victory we already have in Christ. When we lift up the name of Jesus, what, we're taking the attention off of ourselves. We're putting it on God. And it's amazing when we lift up God, when we worship God, you know, it just seems like things around us can begin to grow strangely dim. And the things that were troubling us don't seem to have quite the same hold on us. Why? Because God is so much bigger than anything that we can face in this life. He said, you know what, you're going to face stuff in this life. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. See, he's already whipped this thing, you know, and now we just got to reinforce the victory that he's already died to provide for us as believers. You know, so negativity and, and fear and all of that stuff is surrounding us, but we don't have to let it in us. That's the good news. You know, one of the things that we can have control over in this life is our attitude is our outlook, um, is our perspective. Those are some things that we have some control over. You know, because there are things in life around us that, frankly, are just out of our control. There's nothing that we can do about it. Sure, we can pray about stuff, but things are going to go sideways. But you don't have to let it rob you of your peace or steal your joy. You, We need to come to that place in God where where we are so wrapped up and secure in him that no matter what anybody says to us, we can keep our cool. They can come in and try to poke at us. They can come in and try to push our buttons. 
But I tell you what, you don't have to give in to it. There is something about not biting on those things that is going to maintain your strength and your joy. See, what happens is when you bite on the enemy's bait of somebody coming across your path and trying to push your buttons at work, trying to frustrate you, when you bite on that and retaliate, what do you do? You willingly give up your strength. You willingly give up your power over to them. But when you maintain your cool and say, hey, you can't, you can say what you want, but I like the, 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 the saying, I guess, water off a duck's back. I know it's easier said than done, but I like to think of it when we're full of the Holy Spirit, it's like oil on us. It's the oil of the Holy Ghost on us and in us. And when that stuff tries to stick to us, it just rolls right off. But we got to stay full of the Spirit. We got to stay full of God's Word because we are leaky vessels. We are leaky vessels, and, and you're not going to live off yesterday's manna. We found that out in the, in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. They tried to stock up, and what? It turned to maggots. It turned nasty. You can't live off yesterday's manna. We can't live off yesterday's word. We need a word from God today. We need to fellowship with our Father today. And I tell you what, there's no honestly greater way to do that than coming to him with praise and thanksgiving. You know, people here that, that do have kids, you know, your parents want to bless the kids. But if I think about it from the standpoint of the parent and the kid comes in and is just give me, give me, give me, it's like, well, wait a minute. I want to bless you, but what about let's have a conversation? Why don't we have a little wrestling match on the floor? Let's play around. Let's have some fellowship. Let's let's interact with one another. And then when you say, hey, you know, this I dad, I, I, I could really use this. Well, it's it's a, it's an open hand, but it comes out of relationship. Not just gimme, gimme, gimme. God is after our hearts. He, he wants that relationship. He's yearning for that intimacy. And when we have that intimacy, there is no limit to the blessing that can come into your life. So what we feed on and what we focus on is going to ultimately be coming out of our mouths, whether it is complaining, whether it's criticizing, whether it's fear, doubt, and unbelief, or whether it's words of thanksgiving, whether it's praise, whether it's an attitude of gratitude. You know, it's kind of a cheesy statement, but it's true. Our attitude does determine our altitude. Your attitude will determine how high you go in life. And, and, and your perspective about circumstances around you, your perspective on people, when you say, Father, help me to see things through your eyes and not through my own, you can begin to see even difficult people through a different lens. You can begin to see difficult circumstances through a different lens. And rather than seeing it as a roadblock, you see it as a stepping stone to taking you to another level. But it, it all comes down to your, your perspective. And so that's something that we do have control over. I like this, too, a little secret that Satan cannot stand people who worship God, that shout unto God with a voice of triumph, that praise him, that lift him up. Why? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. 
that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom in that atmosphere. And in that atmosphere, there is no room for darkness. When you turn on that light, even in this building, all darkness has to flee. Just like cockroaches, when the light goes on, they're scurrying off into the walls. That's what the enemy does. He just scurries off like a little cockroach, and, man, you can just crush him under your foot. But I tell you what, praising and worshiping God is like the enemy, it just wants to blow up his eardrums. He cannot handle it. But if he can keep us out of praise and worship, he can rob us of our joy, which ultimately zaps us of our strength and actually takes us out of the race and puts us on the sidelines. I don't know about you, but I want to be an active soldier in the body of Christ. I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to be an active participant in what God's called me to do. I don't want to hear on the judgment seat of Christ, uh, well, you know, I had this, this, and this for you, but you weren't willing to go after it. I don't want to hear that. So praise and worship, God inhabits the praises of his people. You know, there have been times in my life where um, I'm digging into the word more, but maybe I'm neglecting worship. Like uh, like now I'm in a pretty regular habit of I, I start work at 6, I'm getting up at 4. Why? Because I, I value time with the Lord before I start my day. I know that if I go about my day without him, it ain't going to be good. And so I've made a, a routine and a habit of getting up early and getting on Apple Music and getting worship going on and that creating that atmosphere of worship actually opens me up spiritually to hear from heaven. Worship actually opens up the floodgates of heaven and says, Father, come on in. And it actually manifests his presence when we worship, when we seek him, when we pursue him that way. And then when we do that, and then when we get into his word, what? It comes to life. The anointed word of God comes to life. Jesus is the living word of God. And when we worship the living word of God, then the written word of God comes to life. It begins to come off the pages. The scriptures begin to take on new uh, levels of meaning to us. Whereas when we are not worshiping and you get into the word and it's like so dry, it's like I'm reading and I ain't comprehending hardly anything. Why? Because I haven't yet cultivated an atmosphere where God can come and rest. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. That's 2 Corinthians 3.17. I like this statement. Worship is a devil repellent. Worship is a devil repellent. You want to put him on the run, learn to worship God. Um, I like King David a lot because uh, he made a lot of mistakes, but yet God looked at him and said, you know what, he's still valuable. You know, he's, he's a man after my own heart. I think David is a great example of a human being that we can look at and really see God's heart towards mankind, to his kids, that it's not about our performance. It's, it's, and that's where religion gets people so twisted and messed up. It, it's not performance-based. It's not works-based. It's through the relationship that changes us. And when he transforms us and changes our heart, then things begin to change on the outside. But David said this in 1 Samuel 30, 
verse 6. It says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself. Other translations say he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How many know there are times where we need a pick-me-up and there ain't nobody around to give you a word of encouragement, there ain't nobody around to give you a pat on the back and tell you it's going to be all right. David got a hold of something here because he had a relationship with the Father. He was able to strengthen and encourage himself in the Lord. So how did he do this? I often wonder that. How did he, how did he do this? How did he strengthen himself and encourage himself in the Lord is God? Well, I, find, I found it over here in 2 Samuel 6, uh, or chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. I got it in the Amplified. And uh, we'll go ahead and read it here. 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 16, it says, And David was dancing before the Lord with great enthusiasm and with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod, a priest's upper garment. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord up to the city of David with shouts of joy and with the sound of the trumpet. Then as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, or, or David's wife as well, looked down from the window above and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she felt contempt for him in her heart because she thought him, I like this, undignified. So David, in essence, is bringing the Ark of the Lord or the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God in the Old Testament, back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. And as they are bringing the presence of God back to the city of David, David is rejoicing in God's presence. He is, he is actually uh, expressing himself outwardly through dance, through jumping and shouting and praising God. And, and he, he was probably half naked, too. I mean, he was unashamed to praise and worship God. And then here's his wife looking down at him, embarrassed, at a man who knows how to praise God. We need to come to that place where we become a little undignified, where we become willing to make a fool of ourselves for the Lord if he leads us to do so. Are you willing to look like a fool in, in the eyes of people to give rightful praise to your heavenly Father who has done everything that he's done for you? Are you willing to be undignified? Are you willing to look a fool? Are you willing for other people to look at you and say, you're a little weird? You're a little off. What's up with this guy? You know, are you willing to be undignified? Well, David clearly wasn't. And, and his expression of worship, his expression of praising God, what generated, it activated the joy of the Lord, and it was, it was exuding out of him. That joy began to manifest itself in the presence of God as he was unashamed to praise God, had no regard for those around him, but only a regard for giving God his rightful praise. And as he did that, I, I tell you what, God manifested himself and the joy of the Lord strengthened him, actually strengthened him in his physical body. 
You know, the joy of the Lord not only strengthens you in spirit, but it actually strengthens you in your physical body. Romans 8 says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, and he quickens, he energizes, he revitalizes what, not our spirits, yes, but our mortal physical body. He wants to revive you from the inside out. He wants to charge you so that you can run your race with some enthusiasm because that is what people are looking for. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit that is going to lead people to Him. Joy is something that is going to be the difference maker. It's going to be the game changer in people's lives. When they look at you, they're going to say, man, give me some of that. I need a taste of that. The joy of the Lord. That's why God, that's why the enemy is working tirelessly to steal people's joy because he knows it will zap them of the strength needed to run their race and to impact this world for Christ. Are you willing to be undignified? I got a little story of my own, and I'm going to just continue to say this. Praise is the joy activator. It is the thing that will turn on the switch. Praise is the joy activator. Now back to undignified. I just want to share a little bit of my undignified self. When I was down at Bible school my first time around uh, back in 2007, I got there with Tony, and I got there in 07, and I'm getting ready to go to school. And uh, it was right at camp meeting time, you know, in the in the summertime. And, you know, I'd been in church for like three years or so, and I got to a point where I'd maybe raise my hand a little here and there, maybe sing along if I was lucky. Well, I saw stuff down there, running, dancing, shouting, preachers, you know, pew hopping. It's like. Man, what is going on here? Some of you, Mark Hankins was the first guy I saw. I was like, dude, this guy is nuts. Um, But what did I do when I saw that? I was like caught off guard. This is crazy. This this seems a little outlandish. This guy's making a fool out of himself. And I was being critical in my heart. Well, as the course of that year went on, the Lord began to deal with me. That first year at school, ended up being one of the most powerful years of my life. The Lord began to deal with me, and and he said, you know what, you're being very critical in your heart towards people who know how to worship. He said, son, you need to learn how to worship. You are more interested in what those around you think than what I think about you. That really hit me to the core, and I thought, wow, you're right, Lord. I've allowed the fear of man to come in and, and grip me. I wanted to maintain my dignity. I didn't want to be undignified. I didn't want thousands of people looking at me like, who's this nut job? Well, I came to a place where I was like, Lord, help me. I want that intimacy with you. And if if there's some barriers, some walls that need to come down, let me know. Show me what to do. Well, God is good. He is faithful. He meets us right where we are. You know, he'll, he'll meet you right where you're at. If you're right here, that's okay. If you're not even there, that's all right. He will meet you where you are, and he will take you step by step. Well, he began to work on me, and I remember I was in class one day, and uh, I'll try to do this Reader's Digest version here. 
but I'm in class, and God's been dealing with me all school year. Well, God started moving in second hour, and it was crazy. I mean, people were, it was like laughing and just the joy of the Lord, and, and, and God's presence was like sweeping. You could feel him like a wave just moving over the classroom, and it was like popcorn of people just popping up and just giggling and laughing and the joy of the Lord just welling up. And I'm looking at people, and it's like, whoa, this is nuts. Well, we went to our next hour class, and the instructor's like, God's moving. I, I can't even teach right now. Is there anybody out here that can carry a tune in a bucket? You know, come on up here. Let's do some acapella worship. So like five or six people came up front. And we did some acapella worship right there in class. God started dealing with me. He's like, all right, do, do a little dancing. So I started, all right, I'll do a little dancing there. I'll do a little dancing there. And he's like, all right, now lift your hands up. All right, I'll, I'll lift my hands up. You know, I'm looking around, you know. All right, I'll lift my hands up. He's like, and then it got to a point where he's like, all right, now take off and run and do a lap around the classroom. I'm thinking, Lord, you are out of your mind. <laughs> and I was resisting it. But I tell you what, when I submitted to the Lord and I said, I am not going to be dignified when God tells me to do something undignified. Because that is the godly thing. That's the right thing to do. God, God is always out for your benefit and your good. He is not trying to make a fool out of anybody. But he is trying to bring freedom into your life. And what I didn't say about David and Michael David experienced liberty. David experienced a liberation and a freedom as he worshiped God and laid things down. But Michael, in her uh, critical spirit, was still held captive in chains through the fear of man. I was Michael at that time, and I was slowly coming out of it. Well, at that moment, I said, all right, Lord, I'm taking off. And I took off, and the presence of God came on me so thick and so strong. And he said, son, all I was looking for was an obedient heart. That's all he's looking for of, out of his kids is just obey me. Just do what I say. It's going to be for your benefit. It's going to be, it's always, I, I, can, I can promise you of this. Anything God asks you to do is for your benefit. It is ultimately for your good. It may not seem like good news to to love your enemies, but ultimately it's good news for you. Do yourself a favor and forgive. I know pastor's been doing that for a couple weeks now, but you are doing yourself a favor when you let people go so you can go free. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, but that's another sermon. But God was wanting me to step out of the boat of being comfortable. He said, are you willing to do something a little cray-cray, something that you're not familiar with in front of people? Are you willing to do that? Finally, I came along and I did that, and it brought freedom like it brought David did, jumping and shouting and praising God. It brings freedom. It's like shaking chains off when you start dancing and praising God like that. Stepping out of the boat, you know, speaking of stepping out of the boat, I, I was thinking of the story of Peter and, and Jesus on the water. And, and Peter saying, man, Lord, you just say the word and I'll come. Like, All right, come on, boy. 
he came on out. He's walking. He's doing good, right? He's got his eyes on Jesus. He's trusting on that word. We need to trust on the word of God, and he'll be our firm foundation. But even if we get distracted by the winds and the waves and we start to drown, I don't know about you, but there have been many a day where I feel like I'm drowning, and it's like, God, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Please help me. And what, what, what Peter did, all he had to do as he's drowning, probably about ready to go under, all he had to do was lift up his hands and lift up his eyes and say, Lord, help me. Just like that, Jesus reached down and said, come on up, son, come up here with me. That is praise and worship. God comes to our rescue when we worship him. God comes to our rescue when we lift up our hands to him, when we feel like we're drowning. He will lift us up out of the waters that are about to sweep over us, and he will lift us up again and set our feet back on the rock, our firm foundation. Psalms 34.1 says, let praise be continually on our lips. So we need to continually keep praise on our, on our lips. First Thessalonians 5, 16-18 in the NLT. <clears throat> it says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Not thankful for the circumstance, but in spite of it. Because stuff's going to come our way. But we have an opportunity to walk in freedom and not bite on that bait and be moved by those things. See, if we bite on that bait, we will be like James talks about being tossed to and fro, side to side. We're wavering between opinions. And he said, let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. Jesus wants to bring stability into our lives. He wants to be that flexible strength. I've talked about it before, but like a palm tree where the root system goes down so deep down into the soil that palm trees flex, they bend, but they do not break. That's something I pray for. Lord, give me flexible strength that even when the world wants to bend me, I bounce back. God wants to give you a resiliency that I can take a shot, I can take a blow, I can get knocked down, but I ain't going to be knocked out. And we get back up again. We dust ourselves off. We forget those things which are behind. We reach forward to what lies ahead, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise and worship, it changes our hearts. It helps us to connect with God. It helps our, our hearts and our wills to get into alignment with His. When we have a heavy heart, I, I wanted to hit this, but oftentimes when we have a heavy heart, Pastor Michael touched on that earlier, when we have a heavy heart, heart it is hard to praise God it is hard to even open up our mouth it seems like our hands are dead weight when we have a heavy heart when we're struggling when when we can't even hardly lift our voice to the Lord because of the weight and the burden that maybe we're facing at that moment 
how many times we I think everyone in this room, if we we're honest, would say, man, you know, I just don't feel like praising right now. I, I'm just not feeling it, Lord. I, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I don't really want to do anything. Well, this is where faith comes into the equation. Because we cannot be ruled ultimately by our feelings because our feelings are fickle. Feelings are good. Feeling good feels good. But feeling good comes and goes. And I might be feeling great today, but 10 minutes from now, maybe not so much. Feelings are fickle. And thank God for feelings because they can be indicators as to what's going on around us. Sometimes they can they can be that, that alarm on the inside that's saying, danger, danger, or, hey, pay attention to this. Feelings can, can be... Um, something to be attentive to, but it is not a reliable guide. The Word of God needs to be our guide. <clears throat> so when we feel heavy, when we feel like, man, I don't want to praise God, where I feel like, man, I can't even read the Bible and comprehend anything. I like what he said here in uh, Hebrews 13, verse 15 in the New King James. It says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Get that, a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to Him. Sometimes praise is a sacrifice. Sometimes praise is something we do in spite of what we want to do, but simply because of how good God is. In spite of how I'm feeling this day or in spite of what's going on, it's not about me. And that and that's And that's the thing about magnifying the Lord is it helps get attention off of ourselves. Praise actually brings you out of a pity party. Praise will cause you to leave that cup of tea and pity party and say, hey, I'm leaving that party. God ain't going to show up at your pity party. But the devil will gladly accommodate you and whisper that pity party junk in your ear. But it ain't going to do you a bit of good. Offering a sacrifice of praise to God. He goes on here in Isaiah 61.3. It says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. So when we got a heavy heart, when we're mourning, when we're struggling, when we're going through real life stuff that hurts, we're not denying those things. He goes on to say, Isaiah 61.3, to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, these are things that we got to choose to put on. Like, this hoodie's not going to put itself on. I got to choose to put it on. I got to choose to pull it over. Pull over the pullover. <coughs> I got to put it on. Well, we got to choose to put on the garment of praise and that garment of praise is the cure for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise will lift you up out of heaviness and begin to stir up joy in your heart once again. It's going to lift you up. The oil of joy for mourning. I like that song. We used to sing it at our old church. And you turn my morning into dancing. 
and you turn my sorrows into joy. That's what he's wanting to do. I should not have done that. <coughs> Praise the, thank God. <laughs> Praise the joy activator. Proverbs 15, 13, a joyful heart makes a cheerful countenance, but sorrow of the heart crushes the spirit. The NLT says a glad heart makes a happy face. So joy actually will change our countenance. It will change our appearance. I, I like thinking of, of Moses when he went up Mount Sinai for 40 days to be in the very presence of God. When he came down, his countenance, what radiated the glory and the presence of God. That's old covenant. We got God living on the inside of us. And if we spend time with him, he wants our countenance to radiate his very presence. And when we spend time in the presence of God, it is going to be evident to those around us that we've been with God. We've been in the very presence of God. You don't even have to say a word. I've been around people that, that know God. And they don't have to say anything, but I just brush shoulders with them, and I'm like, I need to get close to that person because they, they're close to God. I tell you what, there's, a, there's no greater witness than that, but we need joy so that we can radiate the glory of God, so that that countenance, so that we can have that happy face. We don't want to be looking like we're sucking on lemons all the time. So we need to exchange our worries for worship. Exchange our worries for worship. Proverbs 17, 22. I'm wrapping up here. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. See the connection here? A cheerful heart, which would represent the joy of the Lord, is actually going to bring health and healing into your life. So not only is it going to change your countenance, not only is it going to change your attitude and actually the way that you feel and actually energize you with strength, it's going to bring health and healing into your life. I, I, there have been many times in worship, and we've testified of it at church over and over again, people getting healed in worship. Why? Because the presence of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if, if I would think, Healing would be in there with freedom, don't you? I think there's a connection. So he, a cheerful heart is going to bring good medicine. But if the enemy can zap us of our joy and give us a broken spirit, it's going to sap our strength. we got to guard against that. Another verse in Proverbs says, Guard your heart above all else with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. That same verse, Proverbs 17, 22 in the Amplified. A happy heart is good medicine, and a joyful mind causes healing. I like that. A joyful mind causes healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So what do we do with this here? And Joe, you can gear up for what we got here. <clears throat> what do we do with this? Right now, I, I, I just encourage you to search with inside yourself. Be honest with yourself. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is speaking to hearts on many different levels right now. As I said earlier, He meets us right where we are. We're, we are where we are. 
Don't feel bad about it. This is where I'm at. God will meet you where you are and take you where you need to go. But we need to ask ourselves, what, what do I need to be doing to, to get that joy activator operating in my life? Maybe more praise and worship as you drive to and from work. Maybe turn off the talk radio and get some worship music going on. You know, maybe, <clears throat> I, I've been doing this more lately, but uh, like you can do a proverb a day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, a proverb a day. Psalms works the same way, five chapters a day in Psalms. You can read the whole book of Psalms in one month, reading five chapters a day. That's Israel's songbook. You want to you read the word of God concerning praise and worship and thanksgiving, as well as broken people that are going through stuff, but then God's bringing them out. Reading some psalms every day. Playing Christian music in your home. Tony and I love going on prayer and praise walks. Going out in nature. Looking around and just seeing the goodness of God. Seeing his creation and just standing in awe of everything that God has done. And it's in those walks where we just thank God and just reflect on his goodness and his faithfulness. And it's on those prayer walks that he'll begin to speak to us concerning vision, concerning purpose, concerning things that he's called us to do. But we have to make that space for God to speak to us. But if we don't open up with praise and worship and, and dare to be undignified, maybe he's challenging you to become a little less dignified. Maybe he's saying you you got to get the complaining out of your life. Stop complaining. That killed the children of Israel. If they would have praised God, they could have praised their way into the promised land in 11 days, but they complained themselves into 40 years in the wilderness with no promised land. 11 days. But they chose complaining over praising. Choosing an attitude of gratitude. Praise and worship. can break chains, can bring healing into our lives. Last scripture, and then, Joe, go ahead and play that. But Paul and Silas in prison. It's just a couple of verses here. Acts 16, 25 and 26, it says, About midnight, or the midnight hour. That could represent a very dark place in our lives. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, a strong earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. And at once, all the doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, these prisons of, of this day, of this first century, they, they were no uh, country club, I'll tell you that. You couldn't even stand up in those prisons. They were only about four feet high. And they're sitting there in their own stuff, chained up in shackles, no light, complete darkness. I'm claustrophobic, so that probably freaked me out. But being chained up, but yet these guys knew God, knew his faithfulness, knew that he is the deliverer, knew that anything is possible here and that he had a mission for them and that it wasn't going to end here. 
And they begin to praise God in their shackles. They begin to praise God in the darkness. They begin to praise God in the midst of seemingly despaired times. And as they praised God, as they lifted him up, as they shouted unto God, I like what Pastor Michael referred to earlier, the walls of Jericho, they didn't have to lift a finger. They just shouted. And those walls came tumbling down. They just shouted unto the Lord, and those shackles were loosed, and those prison doors were open, and those doors were open, and they could walk out in freedom. Some of you, those prison doors are already open. But the Lord's saying, you just got to walk through. You just got to walk through. But because you've been zapped of your joy and robbed of your strength, you can't even make it to the door. But tonight, God is wanting to restore to you the joy of his salvation. Because it is that joy that's going to see you to the finish line. It is that joy that's going to put you over the top, breaking those chains, breaking those shackles. I want to kill the lights. Joe's got a song. And we're just going to worship God for the next 10 minutes. And I just encourage you to just get in the presence of God. I believe he's already here, and he's wanting to just fall on you in a fresh way. He's got a rhema word for you as you lean into him. You know, Tony's over there at the, at the wall. If she were to whisper... I probably couldn't hear her. I got to lean in. The Lord says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. There needs to be that intimacy. There needs to be that closeness that you get in there and you just whisper, and you can hear your father's voice. That's what he desires for us, closeness, intimacy. Praise the joy activator. He's wanting to break some shackles